Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Jill Valdez online. Jill, how are you? I am well, thank you. How are you today? I am doing really, really well. Looking forward to this conversation. Always love our chats. So for those that don't know who you are and what you're doing, why don't you share a little bit about you and then we'll jump into the conversation. Well, thank you. Um, I, I am a person who loves helping others. I love helping others overcome obstacles and be all that they're purposed to be. I um, I started in the nonprofit sector and over the years have gone through various leadership roles and most recently found um, I had been working in a corporate job and at the end of August, I got laid off and said, that's okay. I'm going to get back to doing what I'd love to do. And that is, is being a resource for people, helping them again, be their best. And so my focus right now is really on working with those executive directors. Um, I have a couple of focuses. I I usually have a few spinning in my brain right now. The, the biggest one is working with executive directors of senior care facilities, because from my history in working in senior care um, and also just executive director, I, I watch them and they come into work every day and have such a heart for caring for their residents and and for their team, but they're constantly putting out fires. There's they've got all these plates spinning and they don't have the resources and and frankly don't have the time and typically don't get the training on how to improve employee engagement, workplace culture, you know, all those woo-woo things that everybody's talking about right now. That's really my focus is helping them providing the strategies on how to do it. Um, it doesn't take a lot of time. Uh, it's not going to cause service disruption. They're not going to have to throw everything out and restart all over. And the outcomes for their staff, um, knowing that they're going to reduce turnover, that workplace culture is going to be improved, you know, and and in what you do and in the people that, that you talk to, when those things are in place, then you have less spinning in your mind, you have less going on. And and it is a way to avoid that burnout and that overwhelm. Um, it makes me sad to hear when people say that they're not looking forward to coming into work and when they dread that. So I want to be at that resource for them. Especially in that field. And I've got a lot of familiarity with the senior center capabilities in my days of working with healthcare and being on boards of healthcare entities, you know, understanding you know, the needs of our senior population. And we know that the population is getting older every second. And just the pot, you know, the baby boomers are are getting of that age now where you know, these long-term care facilities, retirement homes, senior centers, all of that, you know, we need to start building a lot more of them because there's a lot of demand that's going to be coming over the, le- the next, you know, two decades for sure. Now, most people, of course, would rather stay at home and, you know, hopefully there's mechanisms in place that can allow that. But, you know, I've seen and know of executive directors that are in this field and you hit it right on the head. You know, they are 
so caring. They're really, really engaged with, you know, the residents. If they're in a, a facility, they know everybody by first name. They know their kids' names. They know everything about them. And it's more of a, a family type of environment. But behind the scenes, when you don't see that, they're dealing with the staff retention and people leaving and they're like, why is everybody leaving? And there's a, a bunch of reasons and it could yeah. be the organization. It could be things going on in that individual's life where maybe their spouse or partner has taken a job out of state or out of country and they have to go with. Uh, so there's a lot of things going on. So just like in every sector, but this one in particular, for sure, you know, there isn't a lot done as far as providing leaders with leadership training. You know, you're right. good at this. You understand the industry. You've passed all the certifications so you can do this job, but they don't teach you on how you can do the job well. And that yeah. is where you come into it because you know what a good work environment looks like. You know how to prevent people from leaving in mass numbers, they can, you know, there's always going to be percentage that will leave and that's fine. You, you, you want that because usually in those situations, it's because there's a better opportunity for that employee. And you, you should want that as an organization, you want to, you know, invest in your people. So they're really good at what they do. And if they have opportunities that are better for them, then by all means, don't get in their way, but create that environment where you know, they have to choose. And a lot of people go, you know what? I don't really want to leave because I like it here. Right. Others will say, I really love it here, but this is an opportunity that I can't pass on. And you support them with that as well. But you want that type of environment instead of, I can't wait to get out of this cesspool of an organization because yeah. they don't do this. They don't do that. They never fix this. They're always running out of toilet, you know, you know, all the things that people run mm -hmm. into all the time. It's just so important and it's easy to do, but it's also hard. And I think it's a lot of leaders and people that are burned out and other challenges that people face, whether it's depression, anxiety, or anything mental or even physical health related. One of the biggest hurdles for people is to get over that fear of asking for help it's yeah. such a huge barrier and as i get older and older it becomes more and more apparent to me why people are struggling so much is because so many of them either don't know how to ask or they're afraid to ask and i tell them this is how you ask could you help me right it's it's a simple question but you know there's obviously a lot of baggage behind that so i'd love to hear your thoughts on that oh for sure you know you you touched on something so vital in, in that executive directors and people in leadership in the senior care and the long-term care facilities, they, for the most part, all started out as caregivers. And they started out because they were so passionate about that. They might not have walked in going, oh, this is going to be my lifelong journey. But as they got introduced to it and felt the rewards of making such an impact on their residents' lives, then they were, you know, then they were pulled into that. But along the way, the development process, it's, it's typically based on, oh, you were willing to stick around here longer than three months, we're going to give you a promotion, or we're, we're going to give you more responsibility, we're going to raise you up to a director level. 
And, and without the training on the actual leadership aspects, they'll train them on the tasks of the job. But what I sense too is that there's this assumption that because it's long-term care, because it's resident care, everybody just knows, oh, well, this is, this is how you do it. This is what it is. And it's almost an expectation of not turning on the brain to think about how to do something creatively, how to, how to provide the best resident care possible with your staff and with the residents that you serve and with your organization. And when you can think about what makes us unique, what sets us apart, then that defines how the, the facility is set apart and it defines the leadership development. Um, as far as fear goes, I was talking with a friend of mine the other day. She's a new entrepreneur. She's starting a business. She had an open house for her office. And I'm like, I'm going to that. I don't care that it's raining buckets out. It's Pacific Northwest. It's always raining. And, and I wanted to support her. And so I went and, and we were talking and, and we actually got into the conversation about um, people's names and how you meet somebody and like two seconds later, it's like, oh, dang, what was their name? What was their name? What was their name? And then you've known them for a while and you're like, I really should, you see them at different meetings. I really should know their name. And the fear of asking, hey, can you remind me what your name is? I mean, we think that that would be the most mortifying question to ask. But if somebody asked me, hey, I know I've seen you at these events and I, I can't remember your name. What's your name again? I'm not going to be offended by that. I'm not going to be upset by that. And, and the same thing can go for asking questions about, hey, can you, can you help me with this leadership principle? Can you, can you help me understand what's going on? Can you help? Anytime that we ask for help, people aren't going to be offended by that it actually will elevate the amount of respect that they have because what it does is it shows I have enough knowledge and awareness of myself to know this is not an area that I'm good at. This isn't something that I do well and I need help. I, I need to grow in this. Uh, the day that we stop learning and growing is, is the day that we might as well just put on our pajamas and camp out on the couch and say, that's it. Yeah, and too many people long for that because you know the struggling whatever they're struggling with has been so prolonged they're just like i, I just want to give up and that's not where you want to be you know we're all here to contribute in a variety of different ways we need everybody to contribute in a variety of different ways you know within your your skill set and your sweet spot and what uh what you love to do or what you enjoy doing uh and Absolutely. it's and when people are being robbed of that desire by their own fear, grief, stress, burnout, anxiety, depression, whatever, uh, it robs society. And that's when we get, we get less quality products and services and, you know, longer lines and restaurants being closed because they can't find enough staff or you name it. There's so much going on. And we've seen it over the last few years, you know, it's been amplified quite a bit, uh, just because people are you know, just quite frankly, down out, or even mad, you know, I was listening, I was driving back from a, a trip uh, over the weekend, and I was, you know, listening to a sports talk radio. And, you know, it's, you know, I don't 
do that a lot. Usually I listen to inspiration or music or, or whatnot. Uh, but for, for this day, I thought, you know what? Uh, there's a college football game coming on. So I'm just going to turn on the pregame and kind of see what's going on with it. And they were, you know, talking with one of the analysts that, you know, does some of the games. And he made the comment because they were, the DJs were asked, talking about something off subject. I don't remember what it was, but you know, his response is, you know, why are people, you know, doing this and why are people acting this way? And he says, you know what? Everybody's just mad. They're all yeah. upset. They're mad. They're yeah. mad about the pandemic. They're mad about the economy. They're mad about wars. They're mad about their team. They're mad about things at work. They're mad about the relationships. They're mad about, you know, just, you can go down the list and everybody's just mad. And it's, but the problem is no one's doing anything about it. Like, and, and don't expect your government or your doctor or your loved one or your kids or your job or anything like that to make it better for you. You have to make it better for you. And you have to take back control of your life because it's your life. But so many people just get you know, frozen and they don't, they don't know what to do or they don't want to do it. And like the, using the analogy you shared a moment ago, just want to get on the couch in my PJs and just zone out on Netflix or whatever I'm watching and, and not do anything anymore, which again yeah. is not healthy long-term. Nothing wrong with doing it from time to time to get comfortable if you like doing that. But if, if that's your mode um, of being all the time, that's, that's concerning for all of us. Well, and when you say, Michael, there's a difference between um, using a binge of, on Netflix as a reward versus a coping mechanism. You know, if if we and and frankly, in the world that we live in today, it's hard. It's it's hard to not be mad. It's hard because it's become accepted and almost expected. So if you're going to be a person who's not going to be divisive, if you're a person who is choosing to believe the best in others, if you're a person who is optimistic and um, wants to be collaborative and and um, isn't afraid of healthy conflict, but isn't going to be involved in conflict for the sake of fighting, if it's almost like you're swimming upstream. And, and so we've come to this point where there is so much available to us to numb our pain and to numb our situation. It's super like when I was a kid, I, I, and still now I love to read. I could get lost in a book. I mean, I've looked into those jobs where they'll pay you to read a book and like write a book review. I'm like, Oh, that would be so beautiful. So I love to read. I love to get lost into the story and to get wrapped up into the characters. And um, they become these people who are, who are very, very real in my life. But it's not to avoid what's happening in life. Um, I don't look at that and go, oh, that's going to be my new coping mechanism <laughs> to get me through things. It's this is it's a reward. When I when I sit down and, and read a book, it's because I know that I've done a good job for the day and that um, I have successfully checked off the things that I needed to get done and that I fulfilled my responsibilities to my contribution to whatever is going on in my life, whether it be here in my home, whether it be for work, whether it be working with others. When I've done that, then the reward is that I get to sit down and lose myself in a book. 
But if I'm losing myself in a story, whether it be on TV, book, whatever, if I'm or if I'm losing myself into that for the sake of numbing, nothing gets better. And I actually become very, very lost in in what I'm using and reality becomes distorted. And so then when I'm out and I'm driving or I'm interacting with somebody, I have no, I've lost a concept of realistically how to interact with people because they're real people as opposed to the fictitious characters that have a completely scripted life. Um, even, I mean, even reality TV is very scripted. So again, I go back to, are, are we using those things to numb or can we use those things to be a reward? Yeah. And that can be Netflix. That can be alcohol. That can be yeah. drugs. That could be food. That could be relationships or you name it. A lot of people use a variety of different things as, as vices to avoid dealing with uh, the challenges they're facing. And you know, from somebody that's been through a lot, I, I can tell you that it's a lot easier to deal with the issue than to try to mask it or run from it because those skeletons can run really fast and they, they, they'll move with you. You know, they, yeah. it, it's, they're not, they're like your shadow They're It's always there. So uh, sometimes more so than others, but uh, ultimately you, you have to address it. And I think it, in closing, I think, you know, one of the last thoughts I have and love to get your thoughts on this is I, I you know, how many of, of these leaders in, in senior care facilities and other facilities as well, but we're talking about specifically those in the caring business, you know, how many of them just because they're so giving and supportive, you know, that they, they lack a little self-awareness of how they're doing and what they need. Uh, for themselves. I, I, I sense it's just a huge, huge gap for them. Yeah. I, I was working with a client uh, last week and she's been working through the fact that she has, she really struggles with delegating because there's this sense that if she delegates that she's losing her value. And when you have people who are so so caring and so giving, it can morph pretty quickly into this very codependent relationship. And your identity becomes so wrapped up in the success of the people that you're caring for, um, hearing the validation of, oh, you're such an amazing person and you give such great care and there's nobody else like you. Everybody needs accolades and praise. But if you're if your mood, if whether you're having a good day or a bad day is dependent on that, um, then there's a problem. And so to answer your question about that self-awareness, understanding that you cannot get wrapped up into your identity being based on the level of care that you're giving because it becomes unsustainable. Nobody can give and give and give and give. Um, people who do that, what I tend to see is that they give so much and they're afraid to be given back to because, again, that fear of being seen as being weak or incapable or inept. And it just perpetuates this cycle that that leads to great dysfunction. And then all of a sudden they're like, 
I, I got to get out. And, and those are the people that you tend to see that like they're gone and you don't hear from them from a while. And, and then they go through this, this time of who am I now? If I'm not giving care to others, if I'm not investing in others, if I'm not, um, creating other people's joy and happiness and well-being, then who am I? And I, I think part of it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about asking for help. You know, it it's okay to ask for help when you're looking around and going, you know, if all this went away, I could potentially be in big trouble emotionally and mentally. And so being able to say, what are what are some things that I'm not seeing? Help me. And that's that's what a coach does is help me see my blind spots. Help me see what I'm not seeing so that I can be a full and complete person and not not find myself down a hole that I can't get out of. Yeah, it's a self-awareness. It's so critically important to understand who you are, the best version of you and you know, if, if that client needs help delegating, I, I can definitely give them a couple of pointers because I used to be the same way where I couldn't delegate a thing because I thought, well, I can do it quicker than them and they're too busy, and, <laughs> and which is the classic move. And now it's yeah. a, I see something come across my desk and I think, okay, is there anybody besides me that could do this? All right, right good. They're doing it. Now you got to be careful with that because the pendulum can swing too far to the other way and you could overwhelm some of your key people because they're really right. good at what you do and you just so you got to be you got to be good at keeping track of what you delegate and if you do that then you can realize okay, I've I've loaded up Sam a little bit too much and Erica who's a rising star, I need to give her some more opportunities to to grow in and you know in a nurturing way of course and it's just it makes for a healthy organization when you do that so yeah i always love our conversations jill where can people find out more about you and all this amazing work you're doing yeah so um i do have a website it's linkconsulting.info and so they can always head over there and learn more and be able to set up a time to meet with me and kind of talk about what they're going through, and if I could be a good resource for them. Um, you can always find me on LinkedIn. I love hanging out on LinkedIn. It's one of my favorites. And one of the things that I want to offer to your listeners is um, I want to offer them a 15% discount on coaching. And so if they, if, when they contact me if they mention that they heard about me on your podcast then i will give them a 15 percent discount on their over on the overall coaching program well thank you for that it's very generous and i highly mm -hmm. encourage people take you up on that because you do amazing work and you help people that are in the caring business continue to care but they also take care of themselves first and i think if you take care of yourselves first then the care that you do give is so much better than what you yep. could have done before. So Jill, thank you again for your time today. Really appreciate you. And thanks again for being on the show. Thanks. It was great seeing you. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Breakfast Leadership Show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.